When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. Hope you're well. What a weekend. What a what a great start to this week already. We shall catch up and we will do so as we laugh uproariously. Orrorlessly. <laughs> he says quickly or attempted to say. Uh, we'll laugh heartily. That's easier. Uh, at Miami's expense. On and off throughout the week, perhaps the year, because that's what we ought to do. That's a better lead than Florida State easily defeats Virginia Tech. By the way, on Twitter, at Jay Cameron Show, Tom's here. Director Matthew is here. What a weekend. What a perfect-ass weekend this was. Count the ways, man. That weather shifted in time for us to just want to be outside the whole time. I really enjoyed our pregame show at Hotel Indigo on the roof there as the weather Got better and better and better. It's one of the better ones we've had. Yeah, went to the game, uh, sat in the stands, cheered my head off, watched Florida State kind of bounce back from a god-awful second quarter and take care of business and short order after giving up the long kickoff return, which I know, that's frustrating. It is, but they bounced back nicely, and they got the run game going, and as we suspected, they might, and they win. They don't cover, but they win, and uh, more to work on. But they keep on winning. That's 11 straight wins for Florida State. You can never really overlook the significance of that at a time where parity reigns supreme in college football. Florida State has won 11 straight games. That news is good. We'll dissect the game a little bit more, as we're wont to do on a Monday. Uh, But this one does not require as much in-depth breakdown as some of the other games, including games where I was more critical than I'm going to be today uh, in wins that were more lopsided than the game that was played on Saturday. Um, Saturday's weird. You know, Tom last week was frustrated with officiating. Hey, got nothing on what just happened Saturday inside Doe Campbell Stadium. That officiating was criminally bad and overt. That needs a review. That is something that Mike Norvell and company has to send into the league office, and the Fs at the league office will do nothing about it. But that was 
an abomination. And unfortunately, it's not unique to Florida State football right now. It's football in general, this emphasis on quarterbacks and protecting quarterbacks to a degree that is insane uh, has reached epic proportions. It's, it's, you see it across the NFL and college football now. Everywhere you look, anytime a quarterback gets hit, I ought not be thinking that's a flag. But I always do, no matter what it looks like, no matter how banal it seems to be in the moment, I think they're going to throw a flag because he hit him. He touched him. He's touching the quarterback. Throw your flag. I know that seems like it might have hurt. Throw the flag. Very frustrating. Also changed what would have been a 50-something to, to seven route and turned it into a game. That singular call did that. Now they added to it, <laughs> but that call changed everything about where that was going. That's frustrating. But let's think about the weekend that was. Florida State wins, strengthens their position within that group of four. The AP Top 25 poll, by the way, is out. Florida State's number four uh, behind Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia. I wouldn't have a problem with them being behind Michigan and Georgia. I do have a problem with them being behind Ohio State, but that's just me. Doesn't really matter for now. Oklahoma's at five. Penn State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Southern Cal. Round out your top ten. I would have Alabama with a loss ahead of Southern Cal. It wouldn't be that close. I don't think USC is very good. Uh, watched every second of their game against Arizona. They've got real problems. It's not just that they have to win games by scoring 40-something points every week, which they do. They have to score that much in order to win. Um, it's it's that their defense, when when it's bad, it's bad for long swaths at a time. It's it's You think you guys get mad at Adam Fuller? Sweet Jesus, go watch Southern Cal try to play defense. That is hideous. Now, the good news, as you look at the, the landscape and we talk about fighting through with the beauty contest that is having the best-looking resume or perceived best-looking resume, which is the problem that has saddled college football forever, right? This This idea that my resume is better than your resume, and we don't play the same teams, and so it's very, very frustrating and can be subjective. Florida State's, I think, going to be in a good position here for a while. First of all, you got to remember this. Oregon and Washington play this weekend. All right, so you get that. USC and Notre Dame face each other this weekend. Uh, you, you have other matchups, Miami and North Carolina, and yes, I'm going to get to Miami. <laughs> UCLA and Oregon State play each other. Auburn and LSU, everybody else is kind of, eh, whatever. Uh, that's your that's your stretch of games that you're going to want to look at on Saturday that could affect the perception of Florida State's positioning uh, for the college football playoff. The other thing that affects the perception of Florida State's ranking and where they sit within that group for the college football playoff is, you know, actually playing and winning games. Florida State will play a game on Saturday, they will play it against Syracuse, and they will beat the hell out of Syracuse. That team's terrible. So just like we told you before Virginia Tech – this shouldn't be a problem. It's not really a problem. You have a dicey moment and a frustrating moment. It seems like every week we're going to have that. But Florida State was far and away the better team. They dominated the game. And then I think this weekend they may even do a, a, a better job of that against Syracuse. I think Syracuse is in their annual free fall. This is what they do. They start out. They play, you know, the Sisters of the Poor and – few other directional schools, they win some games, and people go, oh, look at that, they're 4-0. Then they play a couple of real teams, get their ass beat, and we're like, oh, yeah, back in your hole. That's that's Syracuse for now, and that's the way they look to me. Uh, as for Miami, this one's truly unique because I think it's the kind of thing that 100% warrants firing your coach, but they can't, and they won't. And 
while I would stand behind firing a coach for that kind of colossal, asinine blunder, I don't think it's best for them to fire their coach. Like, if I'm looking at it objectively, I wouldn't fire him, even though that is a very fireable offense. A very fireable offense. I called around, I asked, I've never coached in college football. So I wanted to know, and I'm serious about this, I wanted to know who has hierarchy, who is allowed, typically speaking, on a staff to weigh in on the headset. So in the moment that the the fun time I had in the spring game wearing the headset, something that stood out to me while listening to the plays being called, both offensively and defensively, was the amount of voices that are in a head coach's ear, okay? So Mike Norvell, and that is the process every week, whether that was a spring game and we were having some fun or it's a regular season game. The process was the same, and he took us through it, and I'll be forever grateful for that, learning how they came up with what they wanted to call and why against what looks. So we got privy to that, right? And while we were wearing the headsets, I, I thought to myself, a, this is faster than you you think it is. Everything is happening faster than you really realize than when you're sitting in the stands or watching at home on your couch. It's happening very quickly. There's a ton of information being digested, right? And and so the head coach ultimately is hearing everything. And he can tell guys to shut up or he can turn off their mic. He can ask somebody to stop talking. And I heard that. <laughs> so that can happen. All right. But there are only really going to be about three people besides the head coach that are going to ever really weigh in on a headset in a game. You have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, and then maybe an assistant head coach would be, and he's usually one of those. If he's not, he would also have a say. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is that can never happen. What happened, and it's awesome that it happened, and screw Mario Cristobal in Miami, and the pain that they caused is just wonderful, wonderful food for uh, for thought and joy. It's sustenance. It's the stuff that we love about college football. The agony Miami finds themselves in now with a head coach that can never be trusted again, a head coach that is no longer liked by his players, a fan base that once again has to come under the the reality, the the, the realization that they don't matter again for the 20-something year in a row. They are irrelevant yet again. That's all awesome. But I did want to get to the bottom of how that happens without a single person saying, what are you doing? How is it that nobody, I mean, I could be some some, some slappy on the end of the bench if I have access to a headset. There's no chance. I I don't care what my role is. I'm saving this guy's job. There's no chance you run that play. How does somebody not go, yo, 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 yo. No, no, we don't have to do this. No, no, no. Like, at the very least. And he said it afterwards in the press conference after kind of stuttering his way through that excuse at the beginning before finally taking ownership about three minutes into it. He says, well, we should have called a timeout. And somebody said, well, why would you call a timeout? Oh, yeah, yeah, you should have. If you were that kind of bum-fuzzled over what to do, you know, the tough decision between take a knee or not, then you should have called timeout. Because here's the deal. If you call timeout with one second on the play clock and then took a knee, you're still going to win. Georgia Tech doesn't have any timeouts, you dumbass. So as you're watching this, think to yourself There's that everybody is so afraid of Mario Cristobal. That's the kind of environment that he has fostered in Miami that nobody... Not a single person 
thought to say, this is dumb. Don't do this. Coach, you don't know me. It's Jerry. I'm the equipment guy. I'm letting you know now, don't run a play. Take a knee. Somebody's got to take it. Somebody's got to tell him. But nobody did. And the fact that it never comes up shows you just how fractured that environment must be. That work environment must be. How do, it's impossible. It is impossible to have that happen. A, you have to wonder how it is your coach sat stupefied as the, the waning seconds of that game ran off and we see a kid shrieking behind <laughs> and getting open. <laughs> as you're watching it. As a lollipop is delivered into the secondary. Oh, and it's a beautiful leading pass on the move. Just get you some and of that. Chad Pennington thinks that guy has a weak arm. It's a beautiful throw, though, because he doesn't have to do anything else with it. He leads him while running. All he's got to do. By the way, kid almost blows it. That little stupid slide thing with the new slide rules, they could have. That was close. Don't do that, dumbass. Run through into the end zone. What are you doing? It was Jordan Travis against Florida. They would have marked him at the one. Also, there were levels of dumbassery happening everywhere. Somehow, Brent's on the other sideline trying to outdo him with the little squib kick out of bounds. to the. What are we... Is this the dumbest group of people ever assembled to coach football? So as I was watching that again, over and over again, I, I, thank goodness, by the way, for uh, what's-his-face, the, the color analyst, one of the, the brother who played quarterback. Uh, yeah, Hasselbeck. Yeah. Was it Matt Hasselbeck or was I it, it was Tim? I don't, yeah. I don't remember. So he's, you could tell yes. without saying it, he's trying to let everybody know, I can't believe what I'm seeing. What are they doing, I think was a phrase uttered, or – well, you don't have to – don't do this. You don't have to do this. This is all before the snap. He's recognizing they're about to do this thing. It seems as if the football gods have a wonderful sense of humor. The game was going to end and Miami was going to win, but then they, they lined up in something other than victory formation, and the football gods went, oh, really? You want that kid to get 100 yards rushing, don't you? You selfish son of a bitch. He wouldn't admit it. He was asked that very question after the game. That's what he wanted. He's a former offensive lineman. Rushing yards is an offensive line stat. I'll bet you anything, in his gut, he wanted that kid to get 100 yards rushing. It's all crazy. The only other scenario that you can think of was something else he was asked after that game, which was, did you think they had a timeout? Because, by the way, just so people at home know, that is a reasonable and plausible explanation. Did you think it was a different down? Yeah. So, right. Here's the thing. If you thought they had a timeout, you could remedy that situation very quickly. You could look up at the scoreboard and see that they didn't. There's that one. You're also, as a head coach, allowed to turn to the side judge and ask, do they have any timeouts? They have to tell you. (laughs) He could have done either one. He didn't either, apparently. So either he thought they had a timeout or he wanted to get that kid 100 yards rushing or both. But either way, all of it is a level of dumbassery that we should sit back in awe and ponder for the years to come. It is unimaginable. And it all leads to the kind of pain that I want every Miami fan to feel on a weekly basis. I love it. I hate that program. I hate that team. I hate their fans. And to see them have to suffer to this degree is heaven. Screw them eternally. It's the Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron Show on a Monday, a busy one at that, and a fun one to be a part of. Appreciate you joining us. Hope you had as fun a weekend as all of us did, both watching Florida State win again and Miami lose in that fashion. That will make the year. We waited, we, we, you know, we wait for football season eight months, and then Miami gives us that gift, and you think it's so worth it. So you watched it to the bitter end, and you saw. I stayed it happening up all the way time. through the end of the USC Arizona game, a double overtime. I did too, but there were multiple televisions in my purview. And when Miami crosses the threshold of the line to gain with under two minutes and no timeouts from their opponent, you thought it was over. I rightly thought so. It was over. Did every Miami fan watching? All ten of them in the attendance there. My focus rejoined the game because I never turned it off. Well, I was at the corner pocket. Right. Full transparency. Delightful, delightful moment to be at a sports bar with Noel fans. That's an all-time memory. We'll never, ever forget it. But Deafening laughter. My Yes, my the whole rest of the night. The whole USC-Arizona game, which every once in a while somebody goes, ha, out of nowhere. Right. Attention turns away from that television screen. About a minute and a half later, after all of this nonsense happens, I turn back, I look at it, and the TV broadcast is showing Georgia Tech's kicker. And I'm thinking, well, that's strange. The game's over. Why, Why would they show that guy? The, the yeah. Georgia Tech kicker. And they show Georgia Tech's head coach. 
Why are they showing him? And then they show the field, and I see Georgia Tech has the ball. And I ask the bar owner, Bill, our friend, why does Georgia Tech have the ball? And he goes, you won't believe this, but here's why. And so by the time I get caught up, they're spiking the ball with 10 seconds to go. I'm hearing the tale about Miami just deciding to go rogue. Spiking the ball 10 seconds, and then we all watch together as King breaks the pocket and rolls right and as the camera pans, you're thinking, surely there's 10 black jerseys behind where the ball is I going. I know, man. I know. <laughs> it is, um, you know, the thing is, think about how good the Miami-North Carolina game would be. I mean, the networks have all got to be like, are you effing kidding me, man? Mm-mm-mm. So, not only is that an all-time blunder that allows you to lose to that Georgia Tech team 23-20. to So, again, I don't, how many of you didn't see it? I, I guess I should set that up you by now you've gone back to watch exactly what it was but Miami has the ball by the way they have my they have the ball in Georgia Tech's territory by the way just just so you know it's not like down at their 10 where they're nervous about anything (laughs) they have the ball on the other side of the 50 Georgia Tech has no timeouts there's 30 seconds left to play you can stop talking right there 99.9 percent of people in that situation know exactly what's about to happen I stopped paying attention I did the math it's it's over. But and I and I will tell you this just to show you that I have real feelings and I am human. I feel really bad for uh, Don Cheney Jr., the kid who fumbled. Now, I mean, come on, kid, hold on the ball. But but I feel I feel, hold on. But I feel bad for him. I do. I that he looks like he's seen a ghost. He can never trust that coach again. I saw the players attempting to console him. They were further away from the offensive lineman who was caught saying over and over again, WTF, followed by, what are we doing running the ball? Which is the question everybody else has in that situation. My favorite part about this whole thing, besides the colossal blunder, is it's not a fumble. He's down. The refs blew the call. (laughs) So is there a way to pour more salt into the wound of a Miami fan is always the angle I'd like to take. And the answer is, yeah, have that be the wrong call. It's already acknowledged by everybody in attendance. This is dumb. My coach cannot be trusted. I can't believe we're in this situation. But then... When you see the replay, you go, oh, he's down. We're going to get out of jail free. Unbelievable. We're going to get away with it. Come on, Mario. What are you? What? Call stands. What? What? And you're reminded that we're in this conference with these bums that officiate the games. Well, hang on. We are in the All Canes Conference, so they should look at things differently than we do. It's their conference after it's all. It's just... It's a wondrous turn of event. So, you know, the other part of it, just so you know, is Georgia Tech had to go 74 <laughs> yards in three plays with no timeouts. So just so you know, they had to go 74 yards in three plays with no timeouts in order for this to happen. <laughs> Oh, it's so great. It's so great. Um, 
I do think they've got to get a handle. I'm not going to turn today's show into this referendum on officiating because it seems they allow us to do that every week, but they really got to get a handle on uh, – does, does it feel like it's getting worse or do we have more access to, to things than we've ever had before? I'm not sure. It, it feels like it's getting worse. Our game was – is the first half specifically. Overwhelming evidence. I yeah. mean, how do you not call the tug on the shoulder for Ja'Kai? I mean, he's – you know, it's not. You get a downfield hold on Casey Roddick that I nobody a, has seen. That's a new definition of holding by it's me. It's not holding. There's just it goes on and on. That's not roughing the passer in any way, yep. shape, or form. You got a crack back block. The new age rule on Azaria on one of their runs up the middle of the field. Oh, there's a bunch of stuff there. It's it's something. It's it's every week though, and it's every game. You know, that's what I always point out to kind of rebuke the idea that there's some sort of insidious everybody out to get you planned endeavor from the ACC officials to screw Florida State is look around. Just look around, guys. It happens to everybody every week. And I watch it and I think, oh, that, that's the wrong call. But I'm not as adamant or as angry and my memory isn't as long because it's not involving my team. We remember every bad call against our team. The other bad calls that we witnessed throughout the college football Saturday it's just in passing, oh, they screwed that kid. Oh, well, click over to the next game. This one's gone to commercial. That's how we look at the other games. But it does feel like there is a, a special level of sorry that has been uh, sprinkled throughout officiating. And I think it's probably less to do with the individuals on the field and more to do with the ever-growing mandates uh, that are we are to look at this. We are to – when, when – you know, when in doubt, call this, call that, as opposed to let something play. I really, it goes back a ways to Doug Rhodes. We were there. We went into the officiating uh, forum in Charlotte. And when they began to use that kind of language, when in question, I got nervous. It's, it's almost like it's a little bit uh, the way that, you know, well, we talk about things that are over litigious. This feels like that. There are moments where you're like, no, 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 don't side with I want to call a penalty. Let's side with I don't want to call a penalty. We want the game to be decided, be decided by the players. So when in doubt, don't call the penalty. Instead, they look at it the opposite way. When in doubt, always throw the flag. Except there are a places, many places where you could be in doubt about throwing a flag. Like, say, when they did call the hold on Casey Roddick downfield, then Jordan does get hit late. Mm-hmm. It's a hit on the quarterback. It took about five of them this season before we got a call. So if you believe that the ratio is maybe two out of four hits on the quarterback, three out of five hits on the quarterback, where there, if it's a hard one, there is a flag hitting the ground, we're at one out of five. Explain that to me. Yeah, well, and you're talking about late after he slid as yeah. opposed to somebody standing up. Oh, but they are so ready to call targeting in those situations, they typically. Are. Yeah, and I would never call it. I would never call it. I'd have to see something so blatant because I hate the rule. Quarterbacks on a run who are really athletic like that, I've got to run as fast as I can possibly run to have any chance to make a tackle on this kid because he's an elite athlete. And now I'm engaged and I'm coming downhill and now I'm about to dive and now he slides. And if I hit you, I'm dead in the water. Nine times out of ten. And it's going to look worse no. than it actually was. Not not nine times out of ten if it's Jordan Travis. It's uh, two times out of ten. Yeah. No, they've missed a few, but... I, I agree with you that the spirit of that rule is impossible, and they throw the flag way too often, but I think it's also objectively true 
that uh, the rate that we're getting that call is not the same as the the general rate that we've seen across I'd like football. to be in the room for when they're reviewing that because they try to make adjustments they try to to learn from their failures. I know that's true. They try to learn and, and they use things as teaching moments because they understand that officiating is really difficult. And so they get into these rooms and every week, every coach in America sends handful, sometimes more calls to the league office, any league, right? Pac-12, at least for one more year, um, Big 10, Big 12, SEC, ACC. They all do it. They all do it. And every coach in that league is going to have probably a call or two a game, bare minimum that they want an explanation on. So that's a lot to review for the leagues. And it's a lot to go over and understand with a fine-tooth comb. Hey, you know, when in doubt, you know, Jerry, we probably don't want to call this. It didn't affect the play. It's away from the ball. It's borderline anyhow. Let's let that one go. But I just think, again, the way that they've directed officials to win in doubt, win in question, as Tom noted, throw the flag, it creates a mindset in which they're looking to throw a flag. Yeah. yeah. And so that that's, to me, you got to go back to square one with that and remember that this is a violent game and that everybody who signs on the line, which is dotted to play the game, understands that they're putting themselves at risk. Now, I'm not saying you don't want to throw flags where there are obvious penalties. Of course not. And I do think you have to side with player protection on certain aspects of the game such as what they've done with kickoffs. Those are ways to impact the game positively and look out for the health of players. But between the lines, when we're running plays and we get borderline hits, I mean, you're wearing a helmet for the reason that your heads are going to collide. That, that's why you're wearing a helmet. Because they used to not wear helmets and people died. So they wore the helmets to protect these kinds of, from these kinds of injuries to the head. I don't. You don't have to go much further than that. It's just going to happen. Yeah, and that's not to say that we weren't guilty of some things. Like the Keon Coleman hold, that's poor technique. He's got one hand around his arm. I mean, you know, whether or not you want to call that a hold, technically, his technique is so poor that you're going to get that flag thrown. you got to be inside. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. no problem. Pre-snap infractions, I don't know what the hell Maurice was doing. He's never been like that with snap infractions, but absolutely. Those are calls. We got away with a hold on one of our touchdown runs. Offensive line, sure did. Yeah. Sure did. Yeah. But if we're going to bean count all of these moments from Saturday right, but that's and do why so I don't in an honest way, yeah. but what I'm saying is that impacts the flow of the game, oh. the tenor of the game, and the margin of the game. I didn't play it, so I've got no issue. But it, it did impact the margin of the game by two to three scores, I oh, think. Oh, without question. No, and I, I actually didn't play our game either on this card. By the way, speaking of which, we went 6-4 and four with Redemption Thursday. I went back and decided to tally it up. I wanted to know what the overall record was. We had a few of you asking about this. Uh, my wins this week were Western Kentucky. You're damn right. Loss uh, was Central Michigan. I won with UTSA. They did rally, Tom, and get that win. Remember, I was asking about it in the pregame show. We needed UTSA to step up. They did, covered by a half point. Uh, got a win there. Lost the Washington State-UCLA game. Wash, uh, lost the Texas A&M Moneyline bet against Alabama. Good game. Real good game, by the way. Uh, I won the North Carolina bet against Syracuse, and did I? My God. Uh, I won the Georgia game against Kentucky, and that's a problem, everybody. Georgia's back to being Georgia. That game was never competitive. They are that much better than every team in the SEC. And when they care to play, if they feel threatened in some way, that's your problem. That's an ass-stomping. That's a 14.5-point give, and they could have named their score. 
in that football game. Uh, I lost the Texas-Oklahoma game, thankfully. There we go, <laughs> oh, Boomer Sooner. Suck at Texas hey, again. Hey. Sark's best friend is Mario Cristobal. My God. Because on third and nine, where a first down ends the game, or ends regulation at, at the bare minimum, with your kicker kicking the ball, or you score a touchdown, you call a draw, and you're not playing for two two downs there? I know. Sir, well, I mean, that is I'm sure chicken. Texas fans are not in love with him these days. That he doesn't win. Chicken. The, yeah, I mean, well, look. And then you rush three on your first play when they get the ball with over a minute to go. I don't care they have no timeouts. You rush three? I will also tell you, sir. Dylan Gabriel's good. He's really good. He hadn't been great that game, but what do you do? He was really good when he, he had to be. He was good when he had to be. He ran for more than he threw yeah. at that point in the game, but they're over midfield in 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Georgia Tech at the end of the Miami game thinks that Oklahoma was over <laughs> midfield pretty fast. So I lost that game, but I won the Eastern Michigan Ball State game, and I won the UAB Moneyline game against USF. That's right, USF, you got blown out by Trent Delfer. <laughs> oh, but someday you'll it's be the magic. part of that group. It's the magic of that stadium. Oh. I'm assuming they played in Tampa. I don't know if they did or didn't. I just know I had UAB to win the game outright. Picked them on the money line. They did. They won. So I went six and four. Anyhow, so I went back through. I am 33, 26, and one. That's what we are uh, this year. So we're making money, guys. 33, 26, and one will work. I like it. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of having the NFL picks on my card at the house have to be what bails me out. What world are we living in? So I was a game under 500 in the picks that I have with my bookie. In the college, I had 20 bets. I went Actually, the 20 bets in college, I went 9-11. and 11. Hey, hey, be careful. <laughs> okay, Patino. Hey. Billy Minardi Hall. Don't you dare. So I went 9-11, and 11, but I had four NFL picks, and I went 3-1 and one with my NFL picks. And I'm like, well, so we had a good week. I mean, we did all right. But well, one of them was Detroit, Carolina, I imagine. Yeah, there was some easy. That's an easy there one. Was, and I had Philadelphia given four. And they made me Ooh. nervous for a while. Yeah. I was like, what are we doing out that here? That touchdown in the end of the first half was the biggie. I was getting very concerned. That's going to be outlawed next year. I think everybody's done with it. The brotherly shove. Once you name it something like that, it's over. We're done. Nope. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Good enough reason to cancel that play. By the way, the uh, Niners did whatever they wanted against a Dallas defense that was allowing 10 points per game. Uh, th- that Niners team is... Uh, it's not close, the best team in football. It's not close. They're really good. And it's crazy to think what they've done. In the, well, by the way, just regular season, if they hadn't had half their team out, including their starting two quarterbacks, they'd probably win that game last year. They've won 15 straight regular season games. Did you know that? No, I did not. 15 straight? 15 straight regular season games for the Niners. The other thing is, for Dallas, I think now with this piece of evidence – the fact that they had played the Giants, the Jets, the Cardinals, and lost, and lost, <laughs> lest we forget, mm-hmm. and New England mm-hmm. before this game against the 49ers means that maybe it was a little bit of fool's gold. Well, I just think at this point that we talk about referendums. I mean, we're probably about done with Dak Prescott, are we not? I mean, have we now seen that we've turned the corner in the wrong way here with Dak? The NFC West, the 49ers and Cardinals have averaged 35 points on Dallas. Yeah. 35 points a game. Maybe it was the fact that they played the two New York teams and the Patriots. Speaking of which, do we have to have a a moment where we go for a walk by the river and look at the rabbits with Bill Belichick? I believe so. Come here, Lenny. I mean, we may be at that time. Bill, why don't you stare off there into the distance and check the sun as it sets? We're on to Cincinnati, brother. (laughs) 
We're on, we're on to Cincinnati. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Jeff Cameron Show, and I have not checked the chat today. I will now. <laughs> oh, man. Jeff, are we getting a Dino Babers uh, interview this week? He's always great. Appreciate that, P. Simpson. <clears throat> I'm sure he's in a great mood. You know, I need to go back and watch Clemson Wake. What's going on there? Oh, man. It was 10 6 forever. 17-12 final, just kind of raise an eyebrow. So I saw while we were playing our game, uh, no context college football, which is a wonderful follow. Yeah. Like if you're just looking for good follows without the toxicity of the cesspool that is social media, no context college football is your kind of thing. It showed the drive charts and the summaries, and it's you know it's like missed field goal, punt, fumble, field goal, and it the whole game. I'm going, mm-hmm, what in the world? Mm-hmm. So it was 10-6 in the fourth quarter. And I flipped over to it on TV number two during a commercial break for the Knowles. Clemson scores. But then Wake still makes a game of it. They got a two-point conversion at the end. It was um, nip and tuck, to say the least. Yeah, and I don't know what to make of that. You know, you can watch a 17-12 to game, and you can come away with the idea that that was a really well-played, hard-fought game that was in the balance. And then other times you can watch a 17-12 game and go, well, that was never in doubt. Wake wasn't going to win that game. You know, you know it's just a, it's, I need to go back and watch it. I looked at the numbers, and yeah, I mean, Clemson won the game. But it, it is, um, it's fascinating to to think about where we sit now. And if we want to look big picture, and I do, I'm increasingly wanting to do this now. You know, I, it, it's it's you're hard pressed to say with any certainty you're you're four uh, that you know for a fact. And let's go back through. I had this somewhere here. I had my top, well, not my top twenty-five. I know they released it, and. Uh, I was just looking at the AP and the results of those games. Here it is. So, yeah, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State are your top four in the AP. I'm just going to use the AP just so that we have a reference. Oklahoma moved to number five, and they should. That's a huge win. They're undefeated. Texas had looked very good coming into that game. That's a great win for Brent Venables in year two and for OU. Good enough to leap over Oregon, Washington, and a host of other teams? Well, that's a lot of Texas love in in that uh, voting, I think. It might be, but Texas had a significant win on the road against Alabama, so I think that you could say legitimately that was the best win of the year for anybody, and then for them to beat that team, you know, it's it's interesting. We're just going on resumes who you've beaten. Now, beating that Texas team that beat Alabama, and don't look now, Alabama's defense has turned back to being for real again, and that kid threw for over 300 yards against Texas A&M. Man, Nick Sam is a good coach. I don't know if you know that. He's a really good coach. (laughs) Sweet Jesus. That Alabama team, so here you go, college football. That Alabama team, which got beat at home by Texas convincingly and looked lost in the wilderness, who went on the road and was in a seven-point game in the fourth quarter against USF, who I might point out lost to UAB this weekend and gave up 56 points doing so. So UAB had an easier time of it than Alabama did. Correct. Correct. 
UAB was up 56 to 14. That was never a game. Alabama was holding on for dear life against USF. Legitimately. Football's crazy. And now you know and I know that if Alabama played USF this Saturday, 63-0 Alabama, that would never be competitive. But this is the oddity of it all, right? Things can go sideways. Things get away from you in the moment. Kids press. All that kind of thing, it's real. And so week to week, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. I just don't know. Because I'll tell you, I don't think Louisville's that good. Whoa, that feels like a hot take after that win. I don't think they are. I think they're good. I don't think they're that good. That was a good spot to play Notre Dame. A very good spot well, to play did Notre what Dame. They should have with it and then some. Well, here's what I will tell you. I think that Brom is a great coach. And I've always thought that. I think he's a very how about very 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 good coach on the cusp of being a great coach. He's smart, his teams are prepared. There's always a game plan. When you watch them, a lot of times they just get out talented. You'll say, "Oh, they're just not good enough." But it's not that they get out coached. He's a very good coach. And he had that team ready, and it was a night game at home, and they were frenzied, and they played well, and they caught Notre Dame at a good time. I don't think they're better than Notre Dame. They were on that night, and they deserve all the accolades. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. This is not a shot. I'm indifferent about Louisville. I really am indifferent about Louisville. It's a potential resume booster. if you. It's a huge resume booster, so long as Notre Dame goes on to take care of business. And speaking of which... They have a very big game this weekend. No, I'm talking for us. You know, you're saying who's going to be the oh, highest well, ranked opponent we if we can get to Charlotte we, yeah. and play Louisville. Well, they've got the inside track to being really high up in the top 25 at that point if they continue to mow down this schedule that they have. Think Notre Dame bounces back this weekend against USC? I don't. The schedule is brutal. It for is them. brutal, and they're given two and a half. They're favored to win the game. I think that they're going to be pleasantly surprised, Notre Dame fans, with what their offense looks like on oh, Saturday. Yeah. That's what I think. Think they'll score against USC? Me too. Yeah. You know, I, I whose resume? Who's good? Well, who? Yeah, George is good. I think George is legitimately good. I think Georgia looks like a team that's won back-to-back national championships and kind of slept, walked their way through the start of the season and then felt or heard the chatter surrounding Kentucky coming into that game, and they felt maybe threatened because the film would have told them, well, we got to play. we got to play. You know, the, the film against Auburn wouldn't tell you you got to play. When they watched the film of Cal-Auburn 14-10, to Georgia didn't go, ooh, I'm really worried about Auburn. They didn't. But when they watched Kentucky run for 900 yards against Florida and bludgeon the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively, they thought, okay, they got a little something. People were out here talking about us like we're not any good. Let's go ahead and put it on them. We'll play this one. And I have a feeling they're going to look weird like that all year long. You're going to have inexplicable close games against teams they don't respect. That's also something that's coming to college football and it's not going away. And I'm not saying – people will say, oh, it's because NIL and entitlement. No, when you got 12 teams that can make the playoff. Yeah. In the NFL, really good teams have stinkers out of nowhere. All the time. All the time. All the time. And that's coming to college football because the urgency of going undefeated simply won't be there for a program like a Georgia. Now, there will be group of five teams. That have and, to keep and, winning. And they yeah. have to keep they have pushing. to keep winning, yeah. But for a program like Georgia or Alabama, Ohio State, hopefully we get back in that conversation, you will see stinkers out of nowhere because of the expansion of the playoff. It's just going to happen. And the good news is that, again, we've got a lot of teams that are in this beauty contest that are about to face each other. 
I mentioned USC and Notre Dame. Of course, we're excited to watch Washington, Oregon this weekend, which is huge because you have two undefeated teams in a situation now where catch the second half of that game. We got that noon kick. Hey yo, love me some noon kicks. And the ACC did us right by giving us a primetime kick a week from now. That's news, folks. It's uh, going to be 7.30 or 8 p.m. for Florida State and Duke in two weeks' time. You know what's weird? In truth, you should root for Miami this weekend against North Carolina. Get them the hell up out of here, too. We don't play North Carolina. Should so we is can't... a strong word. Well, but, uh, yeah. yeah, if it happens, you won't be disappointed is a better way of saying it. Because we don't play North Carolina. We don't get a chance yeah. to blemish the record. So if you get a Miami win over North Carolina and you play Miami here and take care of business, one more team that can take it on down the road. Take it on down the road, buddy. You're about done dealing. I'm all about, from here on out, provided we win, as we're supposed to, we favored at every game we play the rest of the way, I'm just going to sit around being like, you and you, you can take it on down the road. You're no longer relevant. You, take it on down the road. You're no longer relevant. How many relevant teams remain as we get to the nitty-gritty and steamroll towards November? I'd say it every weekend. Oh, you are gone. Oregon State, that's loss number two. Done talking about you for the rest of the year. Okay, that's it. It's loss number two for you, Washington State. You get the hell up out of here. That's loss number two for you already, Notre Dame. You get the hell up out of here. USC, you just lost to so-and-so. You get the hell up out of here. I'm going to keep doing this over and over and over again. Okay, with the... I've got two and a half minutes left mm-hmm. in this hour. It's probably a big picture topic, but I figured I'd at least let you chew on it. It's kind of like the optometrist game. This is the best part of going to the optometrist is when they do the lens tests. I was just there about uh, three weeks ago, and I still haven't gone to pick up my new glasses, and they're mad. They leave me a message every day. They're like, hey, man, your glasses are here. And I'm like, you're on the other side of town. The best, I'll get there when I get there. The best thing about the eye exam is you know, when when you're like, oh, my God, I can see even better. Yeah. One or two. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. How about three? I hate four? that question. It is an existential crisis for me. Every time I'm like, really? I oh, I love it. No, no, I love it, but I hate it because I'm like, I think I'm seeing better with two. Yeah. Can you show me one again? Yes. <laughs> but then they come back like, okay, now one or six. Yeah. One and six, <laughs> which is better. Yeah. So what I would ask you- I just don't know. Yeah. With our evidence from Saturday, another uh-huh. we, data points, there's words and buzz terms that go around every year. It feels like everybody says data point this year on college game day, all the way down the mm-hmm. line. But now that you have another point of data, do you feel better, worse, or about the same about what we are after Saturday? Better, worse, or about the same? About the same. Mm. About the same. Three or four. Better, worse, (laughs) or about the same? (laughs) I'm going to go with about the same. I I, I think that – here's what I know. I'd really like to see us put it together for a full game. That's all. It's a, I'm not saying that emphatically. I'm not pounding my fist in anger. I'm not saying that because I think we stink. There's no hidden message behind any of that. It'd just be nice to see us play four quarters. Haven't yet. It'd be nice. But am I going to bitch about it and whine about it today? Am I going to go on and on and on thinking that that makes us the pits of the world? No, because I've watched all these other teams too, and I'm like, well, they're not, they're not great either. George is the team right now that if if you, listen, it, you know how last week I said there's not a team in the country that I would prefer we not match up with because I think we could beat anybody. I'm wrong. I don't. I, so one game from Georgia changes all of that. No, I just they just asserted what they were and who they are in a way that we kind of suspected they would be. And if the quarterback could play the right role and not screw it up, 
We knew they were loaded everywhere else, and they are. They are. It's also a great matchup for them, as you pointed out, when it came to wager time. And that's why I jumped on it as soon as the line came out. I didn't know how Kentucky was going to score. But I, I would say this. When they care, I think they're a problem for the rest of the country. And you have to hope they don't care enough that maybe they stumble along the way and lose twice, and then I'll say, you too, take it on down the road. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with.